Hello friends, Maestro here, bringing you episode 354 of Maestro on the Mic, doing it Thursday, shorty style. In today's episode, I'm talking to you about the importance of seeing people as they want to be seen, the value of meeting your clients where they're at, and the fact that if you put both of those together, maybe, just maybe, you might be able to help motivate your clients. Big maybe. And all this and more, but first, hey DJ! Gimme that heartbeat. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion. And discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it poppin'. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro Three, two, one. Hello, friends. Maestro here, and welcome back to another episode of my favorite podcast. As always, endlessly appreciative for each and every one of you. You take the time to listen, and it's just like super dope. So today I want to talk about motivation. Now I've done quite a few posts about this on the Instagrams and my general sentiment that motivation as it relates to this thing that like falls out of the sky and inspires us is a bunch of bullshit, right? Motivation is a myth. But as it relates to understanding where our clients are at and helping them on their journey moving forward, there are things that we can identify, and I got names for them this past weekend. So I spoke at the uh, Raise the Bar event. It was super dope. I was super honored. It was 100% in alignment with my 2022 word of grow. Got in front of a new audience, a lot of uh, trainers. That's really the the demographic that was there. And uh, I spoke about, you know, how to stand out in the online space. But on the second day, Dr. Lisa Lewis, uh, Tony Gentlecore is her husband. Uh, she spoke on Sunday and she, I believe the talk was psych skills for fit pros or something like that. And I got words, I got names for these things. And I was like, cool. So I want to chat a little bit about that kind of under the the whole umbrella of meeting your clients where they're at and my beliefs surrounding that and, and things like second chance sales. So you all know my least favorite business is the business of convincing. That is like the worst business to be in. I really feel like when I was a physical therapist in the traditional setting, some days that is really the business that I felt like I was in. People coming there and being there because somebody else told them they had to go and they had to be there. And it was just like, this is the worst. Like, you really don't want to be here. You don't care about the outcome. You're not even like, oh, I'm like going to try and be committed to coming here because it matters to someone who matters to me. They were just like, I'm here because of this. I don't fucking want to be here. And I was like, well, maybe you should just leave. But of course, I couldn't say that because it wasn't my clinic. And, you know, you got numbers and quotas and things to meet. So that in mind, you know, 
recalling that. And that wasn't everybody. Right? Like my early days weren't the worst. And I really do think there is so much value in working for somebody else and getting the those skill sets, that getting that skill set and getting your confidence and really learning how to help people while on someone else's dime. And, you know, having a bit of that safety net. So it wasn't like my my career, my early days were, were miserable. But that is definitely something that from the get-go, I was like, I, I don't want to work with people who don't want to be here. You know, I think whenever I do like the, do the uh, FT3 drill for niching down with people, everyone says they want to work with people who are motivated. And it's like, of course, that goes without saying. Uh, so I, I almost feel a little foolish in saying that. Like, I, of course, I didn't want to work with those people. But of course, I didn't want to work with those people. Like, I, I didn't want people there that were, that didn't want to be there. There is a difference between that and somebody who wants to be there, but perhaps doesn't want to work as hard as you maybe want them to work. Those are different things. And actually, that question came up during the the this event, the summit this weekend, where one of the trainers, and I believe he actually posed the question to Dan John. And Molly came through with like, Molly Galbraith came through with, of course, the best answer. Um, and actually, Brett Bartholomew, he was there. He chimed in with a really super helpful answer as well. But the 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 guy asking was just like, how do you get your clients to, cha- to train harder? And, you know, Dan John kind of talked about nudging. And I was like, I don't really know if I agree with that. Uh, because, like, to me, I'm like, do they want to train harder? It is one thing if the person's like, I want to do this. Can you help me? It's another thing when you're like, I want this thing for you more than you want it for yourself, man. That ain't the way. That's like imposing borrowed goals. It ain't the way. So, you know, my answer is leave them alone. Like, don't try to push them. They need to want this thing. Autonomy is sexy. So Brett chimed in with with a good answer of changing the environment as well, where, you know, he gave an example of, of one of the players he had and like, you know, I had a super talented player who would kind of sandbag it. And he's like, what do you do when you have a... Uh, what is the word? Um, I can't even think of the word right now. Uh, someone who's been in the, the game for a long time. And they're kind of sandbagging it. They're like, yeah, I've been in the ground forever. I'm good. How do you kind of look to motivate that person and get them to want to work harder? And he was like, you know what you do? You put a rookie next to them for working out. And that rookie that's just like balls to the wall, doing the most. And it's not that they're paired up. It's just that, hey, this we're changing the environment and we're going to allow that person. What is the name? The, the, the vet, right? Seasoned vet. We're going to allow that person to decide, do they want to change their behavior? Do they want to be like, yo, new guy. All right, let me show you what's up. Or are they just actually not going to rise to the occasion? And maybe that's even better for the rookie then. You know, it kind of becomes a, a situation where there's a lot of positive, potential positive outcomes. Uh, so... When we're looking at our clients, and you folks know that this is inherently how I feel and, and what I would do for everyone, is we got to meet them where they're at. And it is a skill to be able to identify where they're at without even asking them. Like, yes, please ask them. But also, can you listen around the edges? Can you listen with not just your ears, right? Your eyes and your heart and your feelings and your energy and definitely, you know, around the edges between the lines to see where is this person and we've also had them identify their goals, and then we can move forward from there. I actually sent an email out today. The topic was, do you care? And it was all about demonstrating that you care in a way that the person on the receiving end actually 
cares about. And I kind of likened it to when you get, uh, when you receive not really the best gifts for Christmas from like your in-laws or your relatives. And you're just like, nothing would have been better because now I have to like do something with this. And it's not about, you know, being ungrateful, but the reality is this person didn't really take the time to think about what you would actually want. So on one hand, right, one of the things I brought up in this email is that whenever we see someone has spent time, that automatically in some way, shape, or form translates into caring, right? We, we, when, we, when someone takes the time to do something, it kind of triggers something in our brain that says, hey, maybe this person cares. They took the time to write a note. They took the time to hold the door. They took the time to say something. They took the time to ask a question. They took the time to listen. They took the time to re- actually remember our name or ask us how to pronounce our name. And it makes us think, oh, this person actually, they cared because we know time is so valuable. That kind of gets offset when the thing that's being delivered is just so outside of what you actually care about or what makes you feel seen. So if we bring it into the business world, and I sent the email out and I I used creating an online course as the example, and my girl Kelly was like, this is true for everything, and, and it is, where we create this thing and we're so focused on what we want to deliver that we forget to think about and prioritize what the consumer wants to receive, what they want to get out of it, right? I think it's a John Wooden quote, I'm not sure, but something along the lines of, it's not what you know that matters, it's what they learn. And so oftentimes when we're going to create programs, we're going to create online courses, we just put, we want to like give all the information because we do care, right? We're like, I always want them to get results. But I think we're also really focused on trying to share what we know as opposed to taking a moment and it's hard because you got to take time to do this and it will take extra time. It's easy to just say all the things, but to take the time to to think about what is, what do they actually want to learn? What do they care about? Which is usually results. What's the best way for them to actually be able to, to digest this and utilize this and then let me deliver that thing. Right, so it kind of ties into that whole Christmas tchotchke kind of gift giving where you're just like, this doesn't even fit me, Aunt Susan. I would never wear this. When I'm thinking about a Christmas story and Ralphie gets that pink bunny outfit and it's just like, this is the worst, actually. And this makes me unhappy and I don't feel seen. I, seeing people as they want to be seen is absolutely a superpower. And that 100% ties into these these stages, or these different types of motivation that uh, Dr. Lisa Lewis outlined for us uh, that I want to go through. And I'll probably go through it in a little bit, uh, just to, because I'm not trying to like, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not like, you know, psychology professor, and I'm, I hadn't, haven't done any research on these things outside of what she told us. And then I Googled it a bit to make sure that I had the notes written down correctly. So I haven't dug deeper than that, but they make sense to me. I think that when you hear them, you'll be like, yeah, I know someone, I have a client, maybe I personally am in this, that phase. And it's nice because in my brain, I tend to go from like big steps and I can see the end and I try to reverse engineer things, but it can be really helpful when someone else gives me a name for things. And I'm like, yes, because some of these things I do inherently, or I try to, you know, I coach people through inherently, or I will just show up for them, meet them. Wherever they are, I don't have a name for the phase, and now we do. So 
where I want to go with this. Another thing to think about or continuing with this, this thought and the kind of the business realm, uh, the fact that there are these different phases of motivation, different stages, if you will. There's a lot of value when you think about that in creating either multiple offers or keeping someone in your ecosystem long enough such that they can go through these phases and then when they're actually ready to work with you or have that transaction, they are ready for that to change, right? They are much closer to having that intrinsic motivation than when they started. So this can take a long time and that's actually not a bad thing. So, you know, for me, I talk about this as second chance sales, where if you don't get someone the first time, perhaps they go and they work with somebody else and it could very well be that they go and work with someone else because they are in one of these different phases where perhaps they need a lot more of like external, the word here is external regulation. And they need like, you know, something that's going to dangle the carrot. And perhaps you, maybe you don't, you don't offer that or you don't offer it in the way that they are wanting it. Or they're still at a phase where they want that quick fix because they really need a lot of that external extrinsic motivation or they lack a lot of the, you know, they lack the intrinsic motivation to do something. So they go and work with somebody else and that's fine because that moves them forward along this, this journey here, along this autonomy scale, if you will. And then when they actually come back, because they will, as long as you have continued to show up and get results with people and, and support your people, when they come back with that second chance sale, they are in a different place. They have a different type of motivation and it becomes so much easier, if you will, better to work with them. The outcome is that much better. Yes, it takes time, but that, that, what else are you going to be doing? One of the things that I've been talking about with some of the people I coach is moving their client forward before the sale even happens. So I just spoke about it right now where perhaps they go and work with somebody else. Kind of a little bit before that, I spoke about if you have different offerings, uh, that will keep someone in the ecosystem. Right? So, uh, Courtney, if you could link the value ladder ebook, that'd be awesome. Uh, the opt-in for that. So I have spoken about this before folks. I think I spoke about it on a recent episode, but I'm not sure, honestly. Um, but I outlined a ladder, if you will, that just presents different ways that you can interact with your audience, different services that you can provide for your audience. And it, outlines them in this sequential order, in this ladder. So you start to see the lowest financial investment and what those services would look like. And then all the way to level six, which would be the highest financial investment typically. And then what that looks like on your end from a, a time investment uh, and why they're broken up into these different levels, right? Whether it is, uh, you know, free Instagram content or a webinar, a workshop, a DIY course, a small group program, all the way up to a mastermind or one-on-one -on -one services. These are all in different categories. They do warrant different price points, but we're looking at different levels of interaction, different levels of specificity of a topic, you know, how much information you're giving, how much access they're getting to you, and it's separated according to that. So this is a free, it's a free resource, but uh, you can, having offerings in those different levels can also allow someone to move along that autonomy journey, we'll call it, where we're seeing their intrinsic, they're moving more towards having intrinsic motivation. And they can start off on some of these lower risk things, consuming your social media content, being on your email list, listening to your podcast, you know, going to some of your lower webinar, lower cost webinars. 
So that is one option. Uh, something that I've been talking to, talking something I've been talking about a lot with people that I that I coach is moving someone forward or moving their client, their avatar forward on their journey before they even hit that first sale. And so that looks like what kind of content you're putting out. Are we putting out content that probably will not do as well if it is you know, challenging beliefs, if it is presenting new information that, hey, your client just, you know, hasn't thought about yet. So one of the things to think about, folks, is when you are putting out content and you're creating content, when you do things that are the low-hanging fruit, very relatable, speaking to people, speaking to people's feelings, you're not really asking them to, you know, take a step back and think about things. They're just like, yeah, this is how I felt. This is, you know, it's a very relatable very relatable content. That content typically do, does do's. That oh my goodness, that content typically does well. Why? Because people know what to think about it. They know what they think about it. They already have an opinion formulated. They're like, yeah, me too. That's why reels can do really well that are just expressing a, a shared sentiment. Because the person's like, yeah, I felt that too. I had that experience. Done. When you put some of these more kind of thought leader type posts out, oftentimes they may not do as well, quote unquote, because people haven't sat and thought about it yet. And they're like, oh, I'm not sure of my feelings on that. I'm going to have to take a moment. Once you're kind of through that trust barrier, it can be a lot easier because people are just like, yeah, if you're saying it, I trust you. So I probably trust this thing and agree with this thing. But when you're on the other side of that trust barrier, those posts may not may not do as well, but there is value in that. There's value in moving away from sharing content that is purely for relatability and being like, I see you, I understand you, to being more like, I see you, I understand you, and here's what we're going to do, or here's next steps, or I was you, I felt that before, and this is what I did about it. So more action-oriented things, more for, you know forward-facing or forward-looking uh, and moving, looking to move someone forward along their, we're going to kind of call it again, the autonomy journey before the sale. I'm calling it the autonomy journey because this scale that Dr. Dr. Lewis presented to us, that was what was on the, you know, the x-axis, if you will, which was autonomy, where we have less autonomy on the left side and more autonomy when person's in that like fully intrinsic, intrinsically motivated state on the right side. So... Uh, why don't I go through these? And again, I am not the doctor of psychology. I'm not a psychologist or anything like that. I just want to expose you to these concepts. I will very likely be diving deeper into these in the upcoming weeks. Uh, but figured I'd put them on your radar if they're not already on your radar. And there's a good chance that they are already on your radar because I know that you know my audience is, is hella bright and, and is always looking to do better for their clients and do better for themselves. So if it's not new, amazing. If it's not new, why didn't you tell me about these before? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, if it's not new, then cool. Review. It's how we learn. So if we look at this autonomy journey, this autonomy spectrum, all the way on the left, we would have a motivation, aka just, you don't have motivation to do that thing. And then all the way on the right, we would have intrinsic motivation, doing the thing just to do the thing. Uh, in between are the ones that I want to, the, there's four different categories that I want to talk about. The first one, and we're starting on the way on the left. So from the least intrinsically motivated to the most intrinsically motivated. On the left here, we have 
external regulation. With external regulation, oftentimes big people need this, right? Dangle the carrot in order to get started. As competency with and proficiency with, with that skill set improves, oftentimes we'll also see autonomy improving and that person kind of moving towards the right. But in the beginning, oftentimes we need that reward. And if we're thinking about kind of online services that are delivered that can be helping with this or that tie into this, this could be like doing a challenge where the person's like, they want the reward, right? Maybe they win the challenge and that's what gets them started. There's nothing wrong with these things, right? So a lot of this stuff that exists in the online space and the business world is not inherently bad. There may be bad things about it or there may be, you know, people who have been less than transparent and perhaps lacking some integrity in the way they run things, but none of these things are inherently bad. So that that first one we have as... Uh, external regulation where the person needs that external motivation. They need that reward system in order to go and do the thing. The next one is introjected regulation. This one seems very problematic to me, and I'm kind of like, how can we move people forward, you know, help support them and move them forward through this? And this is doing things uh, related to guilt or shame. Like, I should be doing this. I know I should. It has its place, but it will wear off. And to me, it seems like if we can uh, do things that fall into this next category, so if we as coaches can do things that fall into this next category of identified regulation, identified regulation, identifying some outcome as meaningful despite not loving the things that you have to do but you still do it anyway, right? Because there is some sort of meaningful out, outcome there. I think if we can identify, help that person identify those goals, which, you know, the, the basic one we always go to is like being able to play with your kids, where this person wants to do this because they're like, I want to be able to, to be able to lift my kids and play with my kids and go running with my kids. If we can remind them of that, and not in a shameful way, but like, uh, in a positive reinforcement of like, hey, you have been so consistent. You're moving towards your goals. This is exactly what you wanted. And just kind of reminding them of that without being like, you should do this because of your kids. But the other way, positive reinforcement. Look how consistent you've been. Look how look at the gains that you've been making. And asking them about, you know, uh, giving them different ways to measure their success as it relates to the goals that they care about. And this is something that we think that we talk about all the time in in physical therapy and, and making someone's goals actually meaningful to them and then looking to break them down so, and give them other ways to measure it besides like hitting that exact goal because it takes time to, to hit that goal. But the first one that I thought was, you know, a little bit problematic, that introjected regulation where we're doing the thing based on or because of guilt or shame. And you all know guilt and shaming got no place here. So looking to move someone forward through that uh, into that identified regulation state, which is uh, identifying some outcome as meaningful despite not necessarily loving the process and loving doing the thing, which I think that, that, that a lot of us can relate to that where we're like, yeah, I don't really want to do this, but I want the outcome and the outcome is worth it and means something to me, so, so I will do that, that thing. And then the next one, which is like seems like a very good place to be, uh, is integrated regulation. Behaviors are integral, and 
relate to someone's personality, right? Integral to someone's personality. And it's so so funny to think about and so cool to think about because as you as you look at this, you're like, dude, I can I can think of someone right now who, you know, joined the CrossFit gym and then became that person. And like we watched them like go through those steps and now like they are a CrossFitter and CrossFitter is in their blood, it's in their DNA now and they are have moved all the way to intrinsic motivation. They just do the thing to do the thing and you know, we've we've seen them go go through that. I think CrossFit is honestly one of the best things out there. It's one of the best modalities out there. Yeah, other problems with it and and does everything, you know, too much of anything can can be problematic, but I think it's one of the best models to show us the value of what happens when you change the environment and you allow people to generate their own, you know, have autonomy in generating their motivation and, and and choosing their goals. And they keep showing up and they kind of looking around and they're like, whoa, like Susan did that. And like, maybe I want to do that. And yeah, there is definitely some of that camaraderie. There is some of that um, community there that pulls someone along. It's like, you could do that. Try it. You can do it. We know you can do it. Like you were in that class yesterday, that accountability there. But still, and, you know, that's that's definitely moving them through. There's probably some of that external regulation going on there, perhaps some of that inter- introjected regulation where there's a little bit of guilt of, like, if I don't do this, then my trainer will be upset. If I don't show up to class, then Susan's going to be upset with me. And, like, there's a little bit of like, having its place, right? So I, I could I could see that. You don't want to let someone someone down. So I, I'm okay with it to a certain certain degree. And then as that person typically becomes more proficient in it. So remember we said earlier, as we, um, as competency improves, typically autonomy improves. So as the person gets better at this thing, more proficient, they're seeing themselves getting better, which is, again, one of the, one of the best things about uh, CrossFit is that because it's so objective and things are timed and you're recorded, that you can see progress. And so if this person is making progress... Uh, that's a big thing. If, if this person is making progress, they're kind of going through these phases. Perhaps they're being pulled through these phases a little bit, right? Susan is like, where are you? You weren't at class. But you're going to class. You're getting better. Then suddenly we're like, we've moved into that next phase of, of identified regulation. And, you know, perhaps they don't love necessarily doing this, but they love the outcome. And they have that goal, and so it's good. they're going to put themselves through that. And then suddenly, again, they are a CrossFitter, and they are going to every single games, and they're doing the Open, and they just you know dressed in noble from head to toe. And it's it's actually exciting to to have words to put through for these phases. And it, could I have looked this up in the past? Perhaps I don't know what I would have looked up, but it's really cool to you know. At least Dr. Lisa presented it uh, in such a phenomenal way. Uh, if you want another resource, so we will link her Instagram. Uh, I believe it's like Dr. Lisa Consulting, or I'm actually looking it up right now. Dr. Lisa, Doc, Dr. Lewis Consulting. Uh, we will we will link that. Uh, but another phenomenal resource is actually Kathy Sierra. I got to bring her back on the podcast, but she talks about this as it relates to horses. And honestly, it's so different for humans in looking to give them, I don't want to say give them back their autonomy, but allow for autonomy to remove ourselves and allow for that int- intrinsic motivation and create environments where intrinsic motivation can thrive and flourish and actually be a thing. That's what we should be looking for with our clients as well, especially for so many of us who are like, hey, I want my clients to not need me. I want my clients to be able to be independent and do this on their own. 
So no, we're not really selling them that. And this is a conversation I had with my girl, Kelly. We're not necessarily selling them that from the jump because they're not coming in wanting that. They're coming in wanting a different result. I think that it's our job and the opportunity we have as, as coaches to provide them with that result and help them out and meet them where they're at so that they actually want to keep going and working with you. And that gives them the time to actually allow them to discover or identify what they actually may need, what you think they need, right? But it gives them time to identify what they need, which may be that bigger thing, which may be that independence, but they're not coming in for that. So if we back it up and and we talk a little bit about um, copywriting and marketing, super important that we are looking to sell people things that they want. And we're focused on the, the things that they care about, right? Meeting people where they're at. For so many people that I coach, yes, you are phenomenal at what you do. And so you get your clients these remarkable transformations, but they didn't come in looking for that. They didn't come in looking for more confidence. They came in looking to, you know, be able to deadlift. Probably not even that. They came in looking to get stronger, something like that. Sorry about that whistle there. All right, they came in for that one thing. And that's what I want you to be marketing. And because meeting them where they're at is what's going to allow you to be able to work with them long enough to progress them to that thing that you've seen so many other people you know, leave with and be so happy about. And it's if that person decides they want it. If they're like, no, I actually don't want that, then that, then they don't want it. We cannot want things more for our clients than they want them for themselves. All right. I think that I'm going to wrap it up with that. I, I got my point across. The big thing is meet people where they're at, see them as they want to be seen. And then I want to throw in some of this motivation, uh, what do you want to call it? This motivation scale, this autonomy journey here and identifying where your client is at when they come in. Are they at the external regulation phase, introjected regulation, identified regulation, integrated regulation? Ideally, we're getting people that are coming in more towards the right. In my opinion, I want people that are more towards the right. They want to do this thing. Maybe they don't stay as long, although maybe they do. Just you're working on different problems with them. But I want people that are on that more on that right side of, of of that journey. They want to do it and they need some help. If you end up getting people, which is very much, you know, very, very possible, especially if we're looking at uh, the PT realm, the, the personal training realm, where people are coming in and maybe they do need more of that external regulation. Well, then now you know where they're at. And now that you know where they're at, we know that it's not about pushing them. It's about creating an environment that makes them want to actually thrive. Molly does a tremendous job with this with Girls Gone Strong where the people, the women there want to lift heavier weights at some point because they see other people doing it. Yes, that means it takes some of those front runners to come in, but ideally that's because you have some of those people coming in that are already on that right side, that identified regulation, integrated regulation, they're at that phase of things and so they're doing the fucking things. And the other people that come in that maybe aren't quite there, they look at that person and they're like, yo, that's that's really dope. Like maybe maybe I could do that that too. Right, where we all know the best way to get someone to do something is to do it yourself. You lead from the front. So if you don't have anyone in the audience to to that is that integrated regulation, it, it is at that integrated regulation phase that it is intrinsically motivated. Shit, let that be you. I want to see you showing up in your stories. I want to see you showing up on your podcast, your emails, whatever doing the thing and leading from the front because that will inspire others, encourage others, give others permission, light the way or lead the way 
for others to do the same and help move them through that journey. And then perhaps they, they reach out to you and they ask for your help. And then we identify where they're at. We meet them where they're at. And then we help them on their journey. All right. I think that's it. I'm looking at the clock. This is a good, that's a good episode. It's a good amount of time, 30-ish minutes, about 31 right now. So we add a little teaser in the beginning. We'll be about 33 or so. That's good. I, I can dig it. I can dig it. If you got any questions about this, well, you probably shouldn't really ask me about this because I am new to this part of this, uh, this autonomy scale. Uh, but those resources that I left you with, uh, they'll be in the show notes. Uh, we got the value ladder if you want some help with I, you know, diversifying your offers. Uh, it's, it's free. It's got to put your email in there. Uh, we have Dr. Lisa Lewis's uh, Instagram and also Kathy Sierra's Instagram. Super, super helpful. And yeah, stoked about this episode. Always grateful for you folks. If you have any requests, you know I love hearing from you. Uh, I know that you listen to these, uh, all of you listen to these at different paces. I think you all listen to them at one speed, though, because I speak so quickly at the 1x speed. But you listen to them at different times, and, and some of you are catching up to episodes. And so I've been continued to been continuing to get like a trickle of people uh, DMing me and texting me and being like, listen to the episode where you asked me to reach out. And it's so great to hear from you folks. So if you have questions, comments, concerns, you just want to reach out, you just want to say, hey, I listen. You want to request something. I love it. It's, it's actually the most fun because I right now I'm just talking to my computer screen. So would love to hear from you. You can DM me at The Movement Maestro. You can text me 310-737-2345. Would love to hear from you. All right, officially wrapping it up. As always, endlessly appreciative for every single one of you. Until next time, friends, Maestro 